Juan was one of Colombia's biggest outlaws. He was the right-hand man of El Terrible, who was the rebel leader of 40,000 bandits, murderers, insurgents, thieves, malefactors, crooks, robbers, ne'er-do-wells. They defied the government in the remote northern mountains of Colombia, South America. El Terrible had only one eye, only one ear. His face was crossed and recrossed with scars and lesions. But through Juan's mother's influence, Juan committed his life to Jesus Christ. He wasn't yet baptized in water, but he did receive a burden from God for his comrades in crime. He wanted to reach them. So Juan asked missionary Bill Dross to go with him and speak to some of those outlaws who were hungry for God. This was a mission of mercy, but that's not how El Terrible and his band of bandits would see it. In the past, outsiders who did try to penetrate their isolated locale were often beaten, robbed, even murdered. Juan and Bill could have made their way up the mountains by donkey, but Juan didn't think to arrange for that. Their only way of travel was to walk through knee-high mud and water the whole way. And at last they reached Juan's house. It was dusk. And Juan's testimony had caused some of the rebels to believe in Jesus, and they wanted to hear Bill Dross preach. Bill had his pocket flashlight and his Bible. And he stepped onto the veranda, and he began to preach the story of Philip, who went down to Samaria and preached Christ to the Samaritans. Nobody moved. Nobody said a word as Bill spoke for 90 minutes. And at about midnight, several of the men expressed a desire to be baptized. Around 6 a.m. the very next morning, some of the men went out to dam a small stream, and nearly the entire town turned up to see these 36 men who were about to be baptized. Afterward, Bill and Juan journeyed to the next village, and that's where Bill preached and baptized 10 more people. But they could sense some anxiety, some tension, because they were not very far from El Terrible's territory. Some of his men had been baptized, and they were weeping and confessing to all manner of evil and robbery and murder and crime. He sent word asking Bill to come up to his territory. He wants to speak to Bill. Was this a cat and mouse game? Was this a true hunger for God, or was this a trap? Bill didn't know, but he did agree to go. The very next morning, Bill, Juan, and a few other men set off for their final frontier, riding mules. And as they made their way into steeper, higher, harsher terrain, high wind and driving rain lashed them. They pulled their hats low over their faces to cover them, peering only through the slits for their eyes. There were no clear signs of human habitation, very little evidence of wildlife even in this desolate wilderness. Hour after hour they rode, not knowing what lay before them. And still they pressed on because nothing is more important than salvation, even for El Terrible. I will share the rest of that story right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you have had a wonderful Sunday. It's great to be back with you. My name is LJ Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson dated May 22nd, 2022, and it is entitled, Born of Water. If you have your Bible, we're going to read from 
John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. If you have your Bible on your phone, you have your Bible in hardback, you have your Bible in soft cover, you have your Bible on your tablet, you have your Bible in your heart. John 3, 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, referring to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, referring to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We're going to learn what does it mean, especially in that passage, to be born of water. And for that, let's go to our friend Philip. Philip, who ministered in Samaria, signaling the Holy Spirit was about to fall, not only in an upper room in Jerusalem, where, but wherever the gospel was preached, God could and would pour out his spirit. And as Philip preached Christ to the Samaritans, multitudes of them listened and believed, and they saw the miracles which God was doing through him. And with joy, those who believed Philip concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of the Samaritans. So Peter and John came down from Jerusalem to Samaria to check out the revival, and they prayed for those who were baptized. They laid their hands on them, and those believers received the gift of the Holy Spirit. This story right here is evidence that people do not automatically receive the Spirit of God when they believe in Jesus or even are baptized in Jesus' name. The Samaritans had done both, but they had not yet been filled with the Spirit. To believe, to be baptized, to receive the Holy Spirit, those are distinct events. Sometimes people receive the Holy Spirit before being baptized in water. We see that in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. But we don't confuse these experiences. They are separate experiences. They may occur close together, such as in Cornelius' house, or somebody who is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they come up out of the water and they receive the Spirit of God, speaking with other tongues. Or, as in my experience, I was born September 11, 1988, and I was filled with God's precious Holy Spirit on January 5, 1992, nearly three and a half years later. What about your experience? How do your experiences of water and spirit baptism compare with those of the Samaritans? Did you receive the Holy Ghost right after you were baptized, before you were baptized, or was there some time between the two? Now, after the revival in Samaria, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to travel south along the road that went from Jerusalem to Gaza. Quick note for Bible study, sometimes even in the Old Testament and New Testament, and reference to the angel of the Lord could even refer to God because the word that is transliterated angel simply means messenger. So this could have been an angel. This could have been God himself. Either way, it was a word from heaven for Philip to go south from Jerusalem to Gaza because God had another mission for him. And when he got there, the results were remarkable. God had taken Philip from a city-wide, earth-shattering racism-shaking revival where those hated Samaritans were filled with the Spirit of God just like those Jews were. And he took him over to the desert to reach out to one man. This one man was an eunuch from Ethiopia. He was treasurer to Queen Candace. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And as he was returning to Ethiopia in his chariot, he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah in what we know as Isaiah chapter 53. And the Spirit of God said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. 
And so Philip went running along toward the chariot. He couldn't go along in the automobile, but he could go along beside it. And he heard what the man was reading. And so he asked the simple question, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch just shook his head, frustrated. I have no idea what I'm reading. How can I? Unless some man would guide me. Which, quick side note, no matter who you are, how educated you are, how successful you are, every one of us needs a preacher. The Ethiopian was so confused. Is Isaiah speaking about himself? Is he speaking about somebody else? And so Philip began at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, the same text the eunuch was reading. And Philip preached Jesus out of Isaiah. How about you? Have you ever used Isaiah 53 to share the gospel with somebody? Maybe somebody who's unsure about the New Testament, but has great respect and reverence for the Old Testament. Isaiah 53 is a great passage to share the gospel about Jesus, because Isaiah certainly, 700 years earlier, wrote of Jesus. It might surprise some that Philip's message that began in Isaiah could bring the Ethiopia to a place of understanding his need to be baptized in water, but it simply demonstrates how thoroughly the Old Testament testifies of Jesus. Jesus said it himself, the scriptures, they testify of me. And as they traveled along in the chariot, they came to a place where there was water, enough water to be baptized, and the eunuch said, hey, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Ethiopian's answer illustrates to us what it means to believe. There's no need to wait to baptize somebody until they have an advanced level of theological acumen. They don't have to be able to explain the beast in Revelation. It's simply sufficient to believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God who came in flesh. And so they stopped the chariot. The Ethiopian went down into the water along with Philip. And after Philip baptized him, the Ethiopian and Philip both came out of the water, which shows that baptism requires us to be immersed. The Greek word literally means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. We never see baptism, water baptism, as an option in Scripture. It's anticipated in the Old Testament by three events that serve as types of this New Testament practice. First, we read of the water of Noah's flood, 1 Peter 3, verses 20 through 21. Second, God's command of circumcision, Colossians 2, verses 11 through 12. And the, the Greek language, the text of it, indicates that the circumcision of Christ occurs at the moment we are buried with him in baptism. And third is Israel's experience at the Red Sea, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 4. Israel was baptized unto Moses. It's seen as analogous to Christian baptism. The New Testament certainly points to our need to be water baptized. Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, verse 19, Mark 16, verse 16. Secondly, baptism is linked to repentance and to remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. Acts 8, 16, Acts 10, 47 to 48, Acts 19, 5, Acts 2, 22, 16. Third, baptism identifies with Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Romans 6, 3 through 5, 1 Corinthians 1, 13, Galatians 3, 27. Baptism is everywhere, and everywhere it is in the name of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, Peter declared, be baptized every one of you in the name of of Jesus Christ. After Philip preached in Samaria, those who believed were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Peter commanded those who were baptized with the Spirit at Cornelius' house to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Paul baptized those who have been disciples of John the Baptist in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
I was teaching a Bible study to a gentleman in jail, and he's very hungry for God. He's been journaling and, and writing concerning his relationship with God. And he told me that he had been baptized earlier on in his life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I said, you know what? That's great. Do me a favor. Because he was asking me some questions about baptism. And I said, when you go back to your rack, take your Bible, take your notebook you have right there, and make a column or two columns. On the left column, write Father, Son, Spirit, or F-S-S. <laughs> and on the right column, write in the name of Jesus. And go through the book of Acts, start at Acts chapter 1, end at Acts chapter 28, go all the way through and put a tick mark by everywhere anybody was baptized calling on the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and a tick mark anywhere anybody was baptized calling on the name of Jesus. And then at the end of it, let's see how they were baptized in the New Testament. So he went back to his rack. A few days later, he sent me an email, and his email read, every one of them in the name of Jesus. You are exactly right, my friend, every one of them in the name of Jesus. It's no surprise, since baptism identifies with Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, it's no surprise that it should be done in the name of Jesus. When we read Matthew 28, verse 19, which, of course, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus gave his Jewish disciples the Great Commission, they understood his name. They understood the meaning of his name. They understood the Father represented the God of Israel, the creator of the universe, whose name was Yahweh. That his Holy Spirit was known in the Hebrew Scriptures as the Spirit of the Lord, Yahweh. And that the name of Jesus captures all to which he referred when he commanded his disciples to baptize in the name, for the name of Jesus is Yahweh, has become our salvation. This is one of the great ways we reconcile the Scripture together. Some may say the Scripture contradicts. No, not at all. The Scripture complements one another. Scripture interprets Scripture. So when you read Matthew 28, verses 19, and you read that all should be done in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Spirit, and then we read Acts 2, 38, where Peter preached it and the disciples practiced it, they understood that the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Spirit is all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. Jesus taught, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Nicodemus, you must be born again. But Nicodemus just shook his head, shrugged his shoulders. How in the world? I can't be born again, Jesus. I can't enter into my mother's womb and be born. And Nicodemus asks Jesus, how can these things be? And Jesus asks Nicodemus a pretty pointed question himself. Nicodemus, you're the rabbi. You're the teacher of Israel. Don't you know these things? He should have known what it meant to be born again. He studied the scriptures. Ezekiel wrote in the 36th chapter of his book, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. There's no reason this sprinkled water of Ezekiel 36 can't be a prophetic anticipation of new covenant water baptism. 
Prophecy often uses figurative language to represent the literal reality where we live. And then as we look forward to this new covenant, still in the language of water and spirit, Ezekiel saw these elements employed not merely figuratively, but in the efficacious way Jesus described in John 3. We will be born of water, baptism, and the spirit, spirit baptism. We also discover Jesus' ministry, even before John was in prison, included water baptism. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. But there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, hey, John, you need to know this. He's baptizing, and everybody is coming to him. John 3, verses 22 to 26. What a testimony. Hey, that guy that you baptized, well, he's baptizing his own people, and everybody is following him, not you. And what a great testimony to John's integrity and character. As John said, good. He must increase. I must decrease. John's disciples, they informed him that Jesus was baptizing. All because of a dispute that arose between them and the Jews about purification. John's disciples understood purification was linked to baptism. John baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And when they brought their questions to John, they apparently wondered if those baptisms that Jesus was doing and his disciples were doing was also resulting in purification, just like John's were. And John's response was to assure his disciples everything Jesus did had been given to him from heaven. Jesus' baptism, they were legitimate because Jesus was the one to follow, not John. Which demonstrates why Jesus could say to Nicodemus, aren't you the teacher of Israel? Don't you know this? What better description could we have of what it means to be born again than to think in terms of being cleansed from all our filthiness, all our idols, all our sin, and be given a new heart and a new spirit all through water and through spirit baptism. Now, how should that affect our lives? Being water baptized and spirit baptized, it's more than just us going to heaven. It's about us living a life that brings glory to God and helps make disciples right here on earth. In Mark's gospel, Jesus said, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. This statement is clear enough. We must be baptized. When I was in high school, a friend of mine asked me the question because he didn't believe what I believe concerning baptism. And he said, well, okay, question for you, Mark 16. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Why didn't he say he that is baptized not? When he asked me that question in high school, I didn't have a good answer for him. Hmm, good question. He didn't say he that's baptized, I just said he that believeth not. And then somebody much wiser than me said, LJ, that's really simple, because if you don't believe, you won't get baptized. That's really simple. So the choice is ours. Will you obey the command of Scripture and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus? Will you Enter this covenant relationship with Almighty God and allow Him, the Holy God of Heaven, to write His holy name 
on your life through baptism? Will you allow him to wash away your sins? And will you slip your hand into his and follow him all through being born again, born of water, born of the Spirit, and gain entrance into the kingdom of God? Let's wrap this up. Bill and Juan and those who were riding with him, they finally reached El Terrible's abode. They found the house. They found the veranda filled with people standing shoulder to shoulder. And without introduction, Bill was led to the veranda. He was left in front of this mass of people. It was very dark. You could only see shapes and silhouettes of people. And Bill started preaching, not really knowing how this night would end or if his life would end. And Bill started preaching. I'm not one of yours, but I belong to Jesus Christ, and I've come to tell you the good news of the gospel. And Juan slipped him a note that read, El Terrible is here. That could have caused him to fear, but it didn't. It gave him a holy boldness. The Holy Spirit of God gave inspiration to Bill, and heavy conviction fell over all the people. And when he finished, Bill asked the question, who wants to take Jesus Christ? Who wants to follow him and be baptized? And you could perceive this change sweeping over the audience. Bill recognized it. It was a sickening sense of fear. The spiritual war was being waged. Spiritual forces were waging war against each other, striving together, fighting one another. And boldly, one stepped forward and he announced, I, I wish to be baptized. All eyes fastened on Juan. El Terrible had threatened Juan with death if he submitted to baptism. Juan realized this may be his last act on earth. And Bill said, very well, let's go to the stream to be baptized. And he led Juan out to the stream. And nobody tried to stop them. But the tension was at a breaking point. Many of his men were just waiting for the orders from El Terrible, and they would execute judgment on anybody who wanted to follow Bill, follow Juan, follow Jesus. Soon they were down to the stream just below the nearby cliffs, and nearly 10 of the biggest men climbed onto a ledge about 10 feet above the water. Bill stepped into the water and asked Juan to wait on the side, and once more Bill told the people that they needed to believe in Jesus, they needed to be baptized. And when he called Juan into the water, the men on the ledge stiffened. They drew their guns simultaneously, ten guns drawn. And there was an ominous click as they cocked their guns and pointed them all at once at Juan. And Bill said, Juan, you tell them why you want to be baptized. Juan testified to all of them as they pointed their pistols at him. Bill placed one hand on Juan's head, the other behind his shoulders, and called over him the name of Jesus. At that moment, there was a tremendous screech. A huge man fell in front of Bill, splashing into the water. It was El Terrible. His one eye looked into both of Bill's, his cross pistol still cocked, dangling by his side, his voice shaking, and El Terrible said, I want to be baptized. I've been a terrible man. But I want to be a new man, and I want what Juan has. I, I forbade him to be baptized, but I see he is determined. I know it is real. And rising from the waters of baptism himself, El Terrible called on the name of Jesus with all his might. Others followed him into the waters of baptism. And altogether, 17 were baptized, including El Terrible's son and his wife. And after a prayer meeting that followed, that lasted all night, El Terrible and others were filled with the gift of God's Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. 
thank God for his grace and his mercy. Thank God for this so great salvation that's available to everybody, whether you're up and out, you're down and out. If you're out, Jesus has made a way for you to come in to the kingdom of God. And we read about it, we, re- we see it, we see the evidence all throughout the scripture. Be born of water, be born of the Spirit, and we will enter into the kingdom of God. I want to pray for everyone listening who is not yet born again, but you've got questions and you want to know, how can I be or even can I be born again? If God did it for Paul, if he did it for El Terrible, he can do it for you. Born of water, born of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, for making a way for us where there was no way. For allowing us, by your grace, into your kingdom. God, thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us. I pray today, everyone listening, would feel the convicting power of Almighty God. Draw us to repentance. Draw us to baptism. Fill us with your Spirit. I pray for those who are hungry, you would feed their souls and you would give them somebody to disciple them and lead them and help them to grow in their faith. Those who are ready to be baptized, God, I pray, help them, give them the courage to step into the water, to talk with their pastor, talk with their preacher, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. And I pray you would fill them with the gift of your Holy Spirit. For those who have questions or who doubt about baptism or about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but want what you have for them, I pray you'd fill them with your Spirit like you did for Cornelius and his family. And so they can know that if they have been Spirit baptized, surely they can be and must be water baptized as well. Do these things, I pray, all for your glory and for the cause, the holy cause of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got questions or you want to be baptized, you can reach out to your pastor. If you don't have a pastor, but you want to know somebody who will teach you the truth of the Word of God, visit upci.org, and you can do a church search based on your zip code and help to find a church in your area. Or if you're around the world, visit globalmissions.com and Click on the missionary that corresponds with your country, your region, and ask them if they can help connect you with a local church nearby you that can help teach you and baptize you according to the Word of God. God is doing a wonderful work all around the world, and all of us need to be a part of it by both being discipled ourselves and discipling others. So let's do those things for the glory of God. Let's make disciples. Hey, be sure to click subscribe and share. Let somebody know about this episode. If they are hungry for God, they want to be baptized, have questions about it, share this episode with them and help them to grow in their faith. Visit PentecostalPublishing.com. That's where you can find great resources, including the book, Bill Drost, The Pentecost, that many of these stories that you have been hearing, they come from that book about Bill Drost. It's outstanding and so faith-building to see what God did through him and what he will do through us if we will submit to him as Bill Drost did. Next week, we continue our study and we wrap up our study on being born again, our last lesson, our last episode of this series is called The Power of the Holy Ghost. We heard just a little bit about it as we heard the story and testimony of El Terrible, and we're going to hear more about it next week. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast 
And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.